I'm Chase. And I'm Timothy. And this is Customer Service. Good morning, Chase. You thought I was going to do it. <laughs> I was waiting for Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, I know you were. <laughs> how, how are we doing, dude? I'm doing well. It's an exciting interview today with yeah. a longtime friend of the show, Alex Delaney. We've he been is, chatting with him for years. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mentioned it right off the bat, but I always sort of feel like when you're built from the same stuff with people. And I just felt like, Oh, this, you know, that we're, we have things in common without ever really meeting in person. I didn't need to. I was like, I know, I know we're, we're kind of built from the same material here. And it was fun to get in. I mean, we talked about, he's a guy who really has embodied pursuing his passions. Yep. Whether it's food, drink, music, graphic design, whatever you, whatever it is, he's yeah. really pursued those things and put those at the forefront and yeah. found ways to, to make that a part of his living. And I think that it's something that a lot of people either struggle with or really want to be doing. And it's, yeah. and, and you know, I think he inadvertently in, in moments gives really great advice on like how to do sure, that or sure, how to, sure. how to make that work for you. And, and he's just a, he's a really interesting, kind-hearted dude. That's like really yeah. he, he's fun to talk to because he cares about the stuff he's talking about. It's so funny that when he said that he went to school for design, he is the shout out all the designers out there living the same life of quintessential design who went to school, got a degree in graphic design, maybe did a little bit with that, but more or less you just kind of yeah. <laughs> refined your tastes and yeah. fucked off and did something different. So. Yeah. He's, he's just a guy who just naturally has great taste. I think yeah, in things yeah. I think that, that and, I, and I ask him some questions about like, how did he get there? But at the end of the day, sometimes good taste is just having something you can't quite define. And yeah. I think he's definitely got that cause he's got great personal style. He's got great taste in music, great taste in food and drink. And, and we get to touch on all that with him. So it's, it's a really fun time cause it's all the same stuff we care about too. Yeah. Super easy. So let's get into it with Alex. Um, it was a really fun getting to know him on, on this level and uh, I think you're going to like it too. So let's jump in. Yep. Yep. So you just, you just did an episode of your podcast. I, yeah. So I recorded an episode of my podcast with my buddy Liam, uh, last night. And the way I do it is like, I usually, um, wake up early on Tuesday, uh, pick the songs that I, that I do for my half of the podcast and then, um, record my half that morning and edit it and publish it by like noon. Um, so it's always like, I'll, I'll always finish it right before I publish it. Um, I like it to, to just be like as current as possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's cause we, we bank everything because we kind of have to, because we, we obviously run in the shop the rest of the time. So we kind of yeah. have to like bank a lot or if people are available, we just work around that. But totally. It's also like very complicated in that people like are constantly, we were saying this last episode that people like text us or like message us about like things that happened <laughs> on it. And I'm like, guy, I have no idea. <laughs> like that was just one of the hundred things I said that day. I can't keep up. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm like, yo, I don't remember what I said this morning. So yeah, 100%. I, yeah, yeah. I like, you know, three weeks ago, that's a wrap. Forget it. No, I mean th- like, that's the thing. Like my entire job is ta- It's the only reason I think we were able to do the podcast is like, this is everything I do. It's just, <laughs> I talk on the phone and then I talk on the computer and then I talk on the phone again. And then I talk at a podcast and then I go talk to everyone. <laughs> I feel like it's all I do. Half my job. And in fact, my, I have a three-year-old daughter and we asked her not that long ago. We're like, well, what does mom and dad do? And it was really easy for her with my wife works here and she does all the photo for us. And she goes, Oh, well, mommy takes pictures. And he's like, okay, what does that? do and she was like oh he just talks to people and i'm like you know what it's that's pretty much it that's that's 98 percent of the job is just talking so hell yeah yeah what so alex what do you like what do you like um 
how do you define yourself these days? I feel like I see you doing a million things, which is sick. I mean, I think you're kind of a jack of all trades, obviously, but like if someone asks you that now, how do you define it these days? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) when I figure it out, I will let you know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, my blanket, my blanket answer is like, I'm a food consultant because that Mm -hmm. is, maybe not the most like let's say it's not what i spend the most time on mm. or what i spend uh or, or you know earn the most money doing but it is like what opens up the conversation into you know different avenues where it's like and i do this and yeah. i do this and yeah. i do this yeah. and this is what my background is and i think when you just like start by saying like, oh, actually, uh, I'm a food consultant that does influencer shit and DJs and hosts wine classes and does art shows. People are just like, dude, shut up. Yeah, sure, dude, cool. It's like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Oh, you live in downtown Manhattan? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you should have just said, you should have led with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I um, mean, it's got to be, t- I mean, it's like, has it, do you know, like, is there one of those things that you feel like you're like trying to grow the most? Or is it just sort of feel like you just literally like will go wherever the wind blows you sort of thing? Cause I think either, either answer is cool, but like, but like what, what is it these days? Like, do you feel like you're building something in a particular lane? Cause I feel like you did, you obviously did food and drinks for so long, yeah. like, but then obviously like you're saying now, like that's not necessarily your main focus. So like, has it been difficult to transition or like you still feel like you get a little bit of everything? It, I mean, I don't, it's been difficult to transition not necessarily in the way that like figuring out how to do these things is difficult, but it is difficult to like, you know, it's like my followers on social media, it's difficult to convince people that are like, Oh, Alex is, you know, the food guy or the drinks guy to be like, Oh, actually Alex is doing a music podcast. Like, why is he doing that? It's, it's the difficult part of it isn't necessarily in like doing the thing. Cause right now I'm pursuing a bunch of stuff that I've always loved. I've always been passionate about. Yeah. Um, it's more so like kind of convincing people that like, yeah, I can like and care about and know as much about music as I do, you know, Amaro or yeah. wine or whatever. Um, but I think like, to get back to the question, um, I, I think it's like a lot more opportunistic in terms of how I, how I decide to spend my time. Um, you know, six months ago I was working on all the stuff that I'm working on now, which is like podcast, uh, DJing a lot, both vinyl and then doing like a big party series with my buddy Dean that we're kind of taking around from city to city. Um, I was working on, uh, producing an art show of illustrations. I'm working on, you know, a bunch of different weird little zines and book stuff. Um, and, and I'm still, you know, like working on all the same shit, but the amount of time I'm spending on everything has changed a bit. So like right now I'd say I'm probably putting the most energy into, um, you know, DJing and, uh, radio stuff. And six months ago, while I was still doing that, it was more so like, you know, writing neighborhood guides, uh, for, yeah. for New York city, yeah, which yeah. I'm also still doing. I mean, it's so just, it's a, it's a bit of a pendulum. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I totally get what you mean. Cause it's like, I grew up playing music and everything. And if suddenly I pivoted and started making music again, like full time, that doesn't, that's, that's no different in my brain. But when you start to like, especially, you know, with you, you dealing like with like representing yourself on social media in, in a major way, it, it is, that's, I guess what I meant is it's difficult. Cause it's like, you get sort of pigeonholed by the followers, not by what you're, 
you know, what your brain is thinking. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, it's funny when you, like, this was one of the big things that kind of switched up for me when I was, you know, when I left working at Bon Appetit, which I worked there for, you know, seven years of my life. And mm-hmm. that was a big, yeah. big part of how people knew me mm-hmm. and, you know, how I was known to the public is like Alex from Bon Appetit or Delaney from Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, with social media, it's like when you're no longer associated with the brand, like it's just me. I'm not the type of person that like really considers the the filter uh, that all of the shit my life goes through before it ends up on social media. Like if I'm into it, like it'll just end up there. There's no, yeah. you know, necessarily no thought process in terms of like, oh, well, I have to post a music thing today or whatever mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is literally just all of the shit that I like at, at any given time. Um, and I think that like, you know, when you, when you have a brand associated with you, like you guys, I'm sure it's like, people are like, Oh yeah. Clothing guys for sure. Yeah. Um, when I was with Bon Appetit, it's like, Oh yeah. Food guy, because he works at a food of place. Course. Yeah. But when you don't have the place that you work at, you know, you're like, Oh wait, that's just a guy. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, free yeah, to yeah. have your own opinions outside of, what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think it was kind of what made you maybe one of the more compelling personalities to us on the Bon Appetit channel was just like, it felt like you were a more full rounded thing. It was, it wasn't so like food person, you know what I mean? And I think number one, you did, you did drinks, right? That was, I don't know what your specific title was, but it was drinks. It was like, and it's like, that was like, you know, it, that already like took you one step away. But then the fact that like there was all this music stuff and I always thought you were a really fashionable guy. And of course you're doing a lot of that kind of thing now too. But like, it always felt like it was a much more like three dimensional person when it's like that. And that's what I think, like, at least if I'm like following people and interested, it's you want you, it's more of a, you're following someone because of a lifestyle and like their, their, their rounded interests, not just like they do one thing. Cause that gets so repetitive and boring anyway. Yeah. 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 I, well, one, thanks for <laughs> acknowledging that about me. Of course. Uh, and, t- and two, I absolutely agree. I'm the type of person that's like, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people, especially when I worked at BA and still now are like, Oh, what food media do you read? What food shows do you watch? What? And I'm like, not much at all. Um, because I'm the type of person that's like, when you get exposed to one thing over and over and over again, if it's something you're passionate about, if it's not whatever, some people just want to dive deeper. I'm the type of person that's like, I need to come up for air for, for something else. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's like something that like I'm always doing. So it's, it is definitely the multidimensional uh, aspect of people that I search for. Like when I'm following people on social media or, you know, even, you know, talking to people, making friends, going to see people's shows, whatever. Um, I'm always more interested in someone that's like, yeah, I'm here at the art show, but we're talking about, um, you know, clothing or here I am at dinner talking about, you know, whatever DJ said I saw last night, you know, I, I like to have like the complimentary thing. You know, I feel like we, the people that we end up really like being attracted to and getting along with, you know, and a lot of it's like we meet through social media or whatever, like we reach out as brands or whatever it is. It, it tends to be because I think that like we're sort of made up of the same ingredients. You know what I mean? So I'm yes. guess I'm wondering like, how, how do you, where you're from Philadelphia? Is that right? Philly? Is yeah. That, yeah, born, think, yeah. In, born in Philly and then uh, grew up most of my childhood in, uh, in South Jersey, right across the bridge from Philly. Okay. So how do you, like, how do you go for, like, tell, tell us about Alex Delaney as a, as a kid. What, what was the, what's the vibe? <laughs> uh, the vibe was, 
very big into sports. Okay. Um, Anything kid, in particular? I, yeah. What sports? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, soccer and tennis for sure. Okay. Same, um, bro. Same. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, tennis, tennis, like throughout my entire life, was my sport. Um, I spent I spent a lot of time playing tennis. Yeah, um, and yeah, so like definitely big uh, into athletics, soccer, tennis. I played basketball, but not throughout high school. That kind of like happened later when I just mm-hmm. like casually started playing a lot of basketball. And yeah, that's now my favorite sport to play. Um, but a lot of soccer and tennis growing up. Um, a lot of skateboarding. I was really, really into skateboarding. Not so much as like, I mean, like I loved to skateboard. I wasn't the greatest skateboarder of all time, but I really loved, um, you know, skating as like an avenue for art. I was yeah, a, of course, I, just as just as much an art kid as I was a sports kid. Um, if you take a hundred people that are into skateboarding, there's one guy that's good at it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and everyone that's else like is just shredder. like doing. They got one move, or they got one little thing they're yeah. okay at, yeah. and yeah. that's. But it's, but it's, it's much. It's, it's like unless you've like, I feel like unless you were involved in it, it's so hard to explain to people that like it's way beyond just like doing the thing. Like that's yeah. one aspect, but like I oh, truly. Totally. You know, you'd go to this if you go to a skate park, any skate park right now. Well, there's a handful. I'm sure if you go to ones in major cities and shit. But if you go to any like normal ass city and look at a skate park, there's two guys that are good and like a hundred kids who suck. A <laughs> hundred yeah. kids yeah. sitting around, bump, and it's all the same. Cigs, yeah. crushing monster energy, yeah. talking shit. <laughs> Absolutely, man. But that's yeah. also what's fun about skating too. Oh, agreed. agreed. Absolutely. And, and yes, I mean, so that was kind of the, like going to the skate park was so much fun. Like I loved doing that. Um, but it was the, it was also the thing of like the first time I realized, and so I, I went to school for graphic design. Um, and the first time I realized that I was like interested in that was when I started like spray paint, like basically using, using exacto knives on pieces of printer paper and mm-hmm. making stencils and spray painting the, you know, the bottom of my skateboard deck or my grip tape or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people would ask me to do it and pay me to do it. I'm like, oh shit, I can make money by doing graphics on skateboards. Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, so that was the first time I was like, okay, wait, this is something I'm into. And you know, I was like into art generally, and then kind of refined it a bit more and was like, okay, I want to figure out like how to get better at this. Um, yeah, which ultimately led led me to going to school for graphic design. Alex, did you ever did you ever write graffiti growing up in Philly? Not in Philly. Um, I was the type of person that would like, so like when I was in high school, I, I took like two AP art classes and I was the only person that took two. So I had, I was like thrown in this back closet of the art room where I had just an area to do whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And most of the shit I did was with spray paint. Um, so I would basically do, you know, I would essentially bomb just old doors or windows or you know pieces of plywood or whatever sure but but in a more legitimate way like i wasn't out running around uh well i had a brief tagging period but yeah yeah we uh, all did yeah everyone did (laughs) no that's that's sick dude i also went to school for design uh and i ended up here actually through I became a sign painter on the side and I painted the signage for the shop, which was like a fruition of, I got into like typeface design and specifically like lettering slash calligraphy, like in a very, like I was really interested in like the fundamentals and like the tools behind it all and the the subtle details and like, you know, script and stuff in particular. But yeah, Timothy hired me to paint the signage and then we became homies 
through me bullshitting and we were all into the same things growing up and music and this and that but uh so sick but that's awesome yeah yeah finding a way to finding a way to get paid for your interest without getting arrested so what's wild though still <laughs> is we've talked about graphic design it's the same shit it's like if mm-hmm. anyone has asked me like how did you get involved and i guess this is what this is the, the crux of the question but if someone asked me like how did you get involved in fashion because it's like my background says nothing about it i'm from indiana there's no fashion there uh there i, I, I was in into skateboarding and hardcore music and I did mostly skateboarding until you know I was never good enough to do anything yeah. serious with it and we played music but it was hardcore so basically if you're okay at an instrument you can jump in wherever you need to and I yeah. could, and I played most instruments so I could just jump in played with bands that was pretty much what I figured I would do for a living and then somehow through a couple different ways and then I've got into fashion and I'm like in my mind in my when I tell people that I'm like I really when I lay that out for you I didn't have any other option like the things I was interested (laughs) was just creating like lifestyle around a thing and fashion was the most like business thing that I could stick. I was like, well, I made t-shirts for like skateboard, I made t-shirts for bands. We, we'd create websites, blah, blah, blah. You'd create e-commerce for all these things. Yeah. And it was like, it's lit. And then you'd put the music out there and you'd create it and edit it. And like, it's literally no different than what I do now. I'm basically doing all that same yeah. stuff. I'm just doing it now. Yeah. But how do you, so I'm sure this is the same for you, but how do you go from skateboarding, graphic design, all this to drinks editor? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, it totally by accident is, is the answer. Um, the, and again, the, like, like you, there was no part of my like training or education that was, you know, in any way related to food or drinks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, so I went to school for graphic design. I got a graduate of the BFA in graphic design. When I was there, I, uh, it was in the height of, I, I went to college from 2010 to 2014. So, that was the kind of the height of like menswear online on Tumblr Mm -hmm. for sure. And during that time I ran like a Tumblr blog that got, you know, picked up some followers and got relatively well read. Um, And it was more of like an advice Tumblr where, you know, people would just ask me style questions or ask me. I don't know how I don't know this about you. What was it called? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was called the pantalones. It does not oh. exist anymore. Okay. But I remember um, it. I remember it. Yeah. I mean, it, I was deep. Yeah, I, mean, I was deep in this world. This was, I like, yeah. existed in this space, but I didn't, I actually didn't create anything. I, but I was, I commented, I knew everybody. I did the whole thing. I was more of a, I was <laughs> more, yeah. I, I've always been a little bit of a voyeur in fashion personally, like, cause it was, I, I, I wanted all the business side of things, wanted all the work, but I didn't like to like participate in that way. I just wanted to help other people do the thing. I mean, some would say that's the best approach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that was like a big part of my my college like kind of era was writing this blog. And again, writing was never anything that I I was professionally trained or uh, mm-hmm. for or went to school for. Like I was always a, a a good writer, but it was never something that I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, but I always had fun writing the blog, and I did that as I was you know all throughout college, graduated. Um, after I graduated, I, I got this like part-time job working for an old school menswear PR company in New York city called BPMW. Um, Mm. and I basically ran their blog for like a summer and they're, they were the company that did, um, capsule, which is like a big menswear trade show in New York. So I got to like, you know, when capsule was happening in the summer, I would like 
get my buddy Chris and we would walk around and take photos of people and like interview people about what they were wearing, interview like the, you know, the clothing designers that were at the, at the show and like doing pics of like, these are the five things we like from document or from at the time, like Mark McNary or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, So that was like my first time being paid to write and like produce and edit something. And I was like, this is pretty fucking sick. Um, but I had also applied to this job at Bon Appetit in the art department. Um, and I had interned between junior and senior year of college at Details Magazine, which may it rest in peace, is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who are not familiar, Details Magazine was essentially like the more fashion-oriented GQ. Yeah. Um, and it had it like dove a little bit more into nicher. Uh, fashion labels. The styling team was a bit more talented. I think like at that time it was the best men's styling team in editorial period. Um, the people that worked at deals were just so fucking cool. Um, but anyway, I, I interned there briefly. I worked at Condé Nast for the first time. I was like, okay, I really like magazines. I really like doing this. So after I graduated and I saw there was this opening at Bon Appetit, I applied. Um, I was like, I'm going to work in the design department. I'm going to become a designer. This is going to be sick. <laughs> Eventually, I heard back from them and they offered me the role of a, an assistant production manager. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to like be designing pages, you know, and going up teeth. This is going to be sick. Uh, got there, realized that's not what a production manager was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I was basically like doing what I liked least about design, which was taking other people's work and making sure like the type specs were right. And everything was mathematically centered on the page and the high risk photo files were placed and like all the tedious little stuff Uh that you have to do before you send a layout to the printer. Um, so I hate, I really, really disliked it. I just, I don't even know what any of that means. You're describing it. I was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Don't even worry. Your life, your life will be better. Not knowing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm not going to learn. Yeah. Um, so, so I essentially was like, really didn't like what I was doing, but really, really loved being there. There, you know, like everyone that worked at BI, the coolest people I'd ever met. Um, and at the time I was, you know, I just graduated from college. I was obsessed with craft beer. Um, and no one, and again, this is in 2014. So like, that's when craft beer was like Mm -hmm. really kicking. Yeah. Um, and no one else on staff cared about craft beer at all. Uh, so I had asked the, the woman who was running the website at the time, Carrie, um, if I could write articles about craft beer and she's like, well, can you write? And I was like, yeah, I can write, but like, I'll write some articles to prove to you that I can. She really liked them. She asked me to write more. Um, and then, you know, people in the magazine side started to ask me to write beer articles for the web or for the magazine. And then you know, stuff outside of beer, food stuff. And after doing that, like in addition to my other job, um, I was offered uh, a job as an assistant editor um, because they liked my writing. Um, So that's kind of how I got to the editor writer kind of portion of my professional career. Um, And then from there I became an associate editor of the magazine and then ultimately the drinks editor of the entire brand after being there for, uh, I think like, I'd been there for five, five and a half years when I, when I was the drink, became the drink editor. Yeah. It's wild is like what you just said is like, if you were to, if, if I were to go to a school and give any advice or anything to kids, it's like the two things you just tapped into are the two things that I think are the, are are like the, the keys to any sort of success. And that's 
one, if you're going to be into something, be fucking into it. Know everything about yeah. it. Yes. And just, and it's because yes. it's free. I don't, I, I, I went to school for fashion, but I can promise you hand to God. I never went to classes. I was not good in school. I did not care about it. But when I, when it was time to like, when I, when I got out of school and just started taking some jobs and realized what I wanted to do, I just went online to all the tumblers you're talking about, to all the Wikipedias, to I, and I just started going. All right, these are these names are coming up. I wrote them down. I'm like, I'm going to learn everything about those. These are the things that people people are talking about. Salvage. I don't know what that is. I'll learn. I'm going to know yeah. everything about it. Yeah. And it was just like a function of I'll just be the expert on something niche, and then the next thing is just just ask to do stuff. I mean, I, yes. I don't know. Ninety percent of things are just going. Hey, I you know, let me give it, let me take a shot at it. And if you're just humble enough to be like, I'm probably not going to be good at it the first time, but I'll figure <laughs> it out after a couple times. Uh, nobody's yeah. good at anything the first time, if, but yeah. someone's got to do the work. So you just ask to do shit. And like most of the things, like would be like, how did you get that brain? And I'm like, I don't know. I just obsessed about it and kept asking. And yeah. then and they're like, did they say no? I'm like, yeah, a couple times, and I just kept asking. <laughs> you know what I mean? And eventually, you know, it worked out, or we did something right. But it's like just it's like that's the type of putting. I think when people say like, think about like putting yourself out there, they think about the difficult thing. And I think some of that's what you do now, Alex is like the, the putting yourself out there thing, like on social media and stuff and really being like your own brand is, is a whole other thing. I mean, managing totally. a brand like ours is a different thing because it's also hard because it's like, how do you speak for yourself when you're speaking for a lot of people? That's, that's yeah. its own difficulty. But like speaking for yourself is also really challenging. And that, that is putting yourself out there. The other version of it is just, but the, the less difficult thing is just asking to do things or asking to participate. Absolutely. But you got to do it first to like get in there. I mean, look, I mean, look, that story that you just told, it was pretty much because you became an expert on something niche and you asked to do something. Yeah. 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 Crazy. And it's, and it's even like, you know, the one way of doing it is like, okay, deciding that, you know, there's this void to be filled and you realize it's there and then becoming the expert on that thing. But if it's, if it's something that you're already interested in too, like, like beer was something that in college, like my senior year, I got, this is actually like, I owe, <laughs> I owe my entire career, uh, as a writer and editor, uh, to the Joe canals, discount liquor warehouse bottle club program. <laughs> um, I I swear, um, me and my buddy Keith would every there's, so there's this like basically discount liquor store. It's this massive place. It was like a 20 minute drive from our, where we went to school. And like once a week before the weekend, we would go and we would be like, all right, what are we going to get to to drink at a party this weekend? Yeah. And they had this thing called the bottle club, which was like some kind of like you, you gave them your phone number and you got discounts on shit. And there, they had a, a partnership with this beer distribution program and the beer distrib uh, the beer distributor would like send them boxes filled with all the fucked up cans or, oh. or bottles bottles with like you know a fucked up label or a dent in a can or something like that and there were all these craft beers from the east coast and they would put them in a box and you would get 12 different craft beers um if you were a bottle club member and you would pay 12 dollars for it and it was like the most um, one as a college kid, you're like, holy shit, twelve dollars for twelve beers. That's Let's amazing. Go. Yeah. Um, still, and not as a college kid, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty sick. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but it's it gave me this opportunity to like try all this different shit that I had never tried before, and had honestly had no clue that it even existed. And when I when that like kind of like you know light turned on, I was like, whoa, what is like everyone sitting around here drinking Keystone Light? 
why is no one drinking Bavarian dry hops, German Pilsner, you know? Yeah, and I, yeah. started, I started, I started thinking about this stuff and like, I was like, fuck, I'm obsessed with this now. I need to try as much as I can yeah, possibly yeah, try yeah. and go to every brewery that I can drive to and talk to every person that works at a brewery about what other beer they like. And it just, you know, that passion like fueled this interest that ultimately led to me being like, Hey, can I write this article for you? And the person was like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. You seem like, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's being a bit of a completionist, which I have a little bit of an issue with. I can't just be like a little bit into things. Like it's like, (laughs) it's like, I'm either it's both feet or none. I just like, otherwise I just, it's like literally it might as well not exist in my brain. Cause like, I don't know much about beer or anything like that, but you want to talk about guitar pedals. I've had every single one that's ever existed. I I feel like I know everything about them. Like certain genres of music i i can't even like start i can't commit if you were like you let's get into this type of like i don't know anything about it so i'm gonna need like a while before i could ever say that i'm into it because if i don't if i don't feel like i've heard all of it at least 80 percent of what came out i can't i just can't do it yeah and it's like it's just like it's a stupid high functioning thing but it's like it is what it is and like it (laughs) but it's but like you're saying like that it's that kind of both feed in sort of thing that really like help you I don't know. I don't know. It, it helps me in some way, but it's like, but I also understand it's a little bit of a crutch because I'm like, did you watch this kind of movie? I'm like, I don't watch those kind of movies. I've completely <laughs> written them off. You know what I mean? It's like, cause I haven't, I, I haven't had the time to fully jump in. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm also the type of person that like, I, I totally get off on like recommending shit to people. Like I, oh, sure. I want to set I yourself be, up well then. Oh yeah. I, I want to be the, the person that's like, Oh, I need to know about this. I'm going to ask Alex or like, yeah, I want to be the person that's like, Oh, when someone, when my friend is like in a city, they're like, Oh shit, I know Alex went here. I'm going to ask him. Cause uh-huh. you know, I like to me, the, the best thing about working at Bon Appetit was like, well, one getting to like put on places and brands that I yeah. thought were doing cool shit, 100%. good work, important stuff. But two, like, being able to share, you know, the stuff that makes me really happy with other people who I know for a fact, it's going to make them happy too. And yeah. it's like, that's that kind of exchange of recommendation. And like, you know, it's, it's a win for the person that gets the recommendation and it's a win for the business that, you know, they're going to, that's my favorite shit. Let me, so obviously you have great taste in music and, or at least taste that you think is good enough to recommend to people or people are coming to you for like, but like, where did that begin for you? Because I feel like I had, we had this, I had this sort of older brother figure in my life that, um, he he wasn't an adopted brother, but we kind of call him an an adopted brother. And he, (laughs) and he, so he lived with us and he was much, he was not much older than me. He's like, I think he's four years older than me. I might be wrong on that. Maybe six, but he really like, he really like, I mean, there was a specific moment in time where he was like, wait, you don't listen to so and I don't remember what the band was at the time, but it was like a very like aggressive punk. But he's like, you only listen to like what's on the radio. And I was like, well, yeah, it's all I, uh, it's all I knew that there was. <laughs> and then he was like, no, and he just put me on. And it like, it literally, that moment was like the, I have to know everything because number one, I was embarrassed that I didn't know anything else. And so now I will never be embarrassed again. Yeah. And, and, but, but then truly like he just sort of guided me into like this specific, like having good taste in this one genre of music has affected my ability to have, I think good taste in fashion and food and drink, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like, I, I will try to find what I think is the coolest version of it. Now, did you have like that type of figure, like that kind of Sherpa in your life or did, or did this all just come naturally to you? Um, I, there were definitely a few people I think that, that were those figures. And I'm lucky. Cause like, 
well, one, my parents were both really into music. Um, and you know, my mom and my dad have, when I was a kid, just played so much music all the time, shared so much music when I was in the back of my dad's car, like it was never quiet. My dad was always like, you know, it was, it was the time where cars had like the, the six CD changer yep. Yep. Like in the trunk, that, in the trunk yeah. that you had to load. And we would like stand in the, you know, before we pulled the the car out of the garage, like stand behind the car with the trunk open. It's like, all right, what's six CD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going to fit in here? Um, which is great. Like, it's crazy that kids now will never um, like understand what that feeling was like. But um it was cool. Cause like my parents were super into music. Also my friends, like I was really lucky. My friend group was all when I was in, you know, the later years of elementary school, middle school. Um, my friends were all super into music and not in like a top 40 way, but in a way that's like, Oh, we're not listening to, you know, fucking, uh, I don't even know who was on the radio at that time. We're not listening to Usher. We're listening to the shins. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, and, and it just kind of like snowballed. And we, I also had very competitive friends. So it would be like, okay, we're going to find, who's going to find the new band that everybody yeah, loves yeah, or who's yeah. going to find that thing. And then the other, the third and like final person, my best friend growing up, uh, is Claire McNeil still, uh, still friends with Claire. Um, and her dad, was a massive audiophile and um, Mr. McNeil, like in his office just had stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of like hundreds and hundreds of CDs. And we would go into his office and he had a great stereo system and thankfully he let us use it. And we would just like randomly pick a CD, put it in the, in the stereo system and just like lie on the floor and listen. Yeah. To it. Um, and so Mr. McNeil also gets a massive shout out because his, his like he was the first the first time I ever listened to like, um, pinback or oh, yes, uh, Hell yeah. you know like he was really into like new wave and then into early indie rock and um those albums just like randomly picking albums they're just amazing yeah Alex were you going to shows in Philly like high school like high school because Philly has. Has no, like a, they have like Philly has one of the most interesting scenes to me because it had like serious like old school like hardcore music but it also had this oh, great yeah. like DIY sort of like you know uh, queer punk thing going on that I totally. think is still really big yeah, yeah. and totally. like that it is. indie it's, kind it's of pop massive. thing I mean they, they had like they had really good scenes and I don't yeah, know I mean exactly. I still listen to a lot of music that I know came from Philly yeah yeah um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think the, like the thing that, that fuels that with Philly is that there's such an unbelievable culture of small venue shows in Philly. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. The amount of small venues in Philly, it's, it's unbelievable how many, one, how many there are and two, how good they are. Um, but yeah, when I was in like, you know, when I was in high school, I would be going to the TLA, the theater, the living arts, which is on South street, Mm -hmm. um, in South Philly, going to the Trocadero, going to Johnny Brenda's going to, um, where else at that time? I mean, at that time it was like the electric factory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What about, what about first Unitarian church type shit? Did you ever go to any like, this is hardcore (laughs) shows? Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, there's just so many, so many good venues in Philly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 really like like I said, I have a, I've, I have a real affinity. I can just like I feel like I can I can hear it before I've even looked it up. Like especially like like places you're from, like Jersey, 
Philly, but if you get any sort of like city that's outside of a major metropolitan area, that's really the music I like. I like music with yeah. a little bit of a chip on its shoulder. And like those, yeah. those kind of bands, like from those places always just like, there was a little grit, even if it was supposed to be clean, there's this, this like little yeah. interesting thing happening because of it. I mean, I yes. think a lot of that's what happens in like music in the UK. That's not like, it's, just, it's those places that are outside of London where it's like, that's the shit I like when it's yeah. like, you, you just, there's that, there's that edge to it for some reason, even if it's not supposed to have it, it's there. And I love that shit. Yeah. Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, that, that whole, that whole world was a uh, big, big, big where I'm from. Well, I'm from Cleveland and I, I feel like we, Cleveland was like a second home to a lot of Philly bands. Like we saw a lot of those bands many times yeah. during the summer, uh, Tiger's Jaw and Title Fight and all that. Oh yeah. Classic. So how did you like, you've been able to obviously like, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, you've been able to pivot into this like music space in your life. Like, was this like, did you always feel like you were eventually going here or like, like especially lately with the DJing and everything or did this sort of like, did you catch a bug? Was it just like you did it once and was like, I got it. This, this is now where I really want to focus. Like, cause it's like, like that's a big pit. Like if I, like I said, if I was going to suddenly pivot and like, that's where I'm going to go. Like, I think my taste level is there, but that doesn't like, to make it a thing that you're doing is a, is a, is a big change. Yeah. Like, especially you said you were seven years of Bon Appetit. So like, was this something you always felt like might happen or is this something you really like focused to grow into? It, it was something that I always, I didn't know it would happen, but it was always something that I was interested in happening and something that I focused on even when I was doing food and beverage stuff, not necessarily like focused on being a DJ, but music has always been like the, you know, it's like I've worked professionally in food and beverage for a long time and writing and editing, but food has, or sorry, music has always been the thing that I have loved the most. Like I, I will always say music. Like if someone was like, you could have great food or great music for the rest of your life. Only one or the other. I would not even hesitate and it would be music. Interesting. Um, and I, you know, I always found ways to kind of like make music a part of what I was doing when I was working in food. Um, not that I'm not anymore, but when I was writing and editing in food, um, like, you know, I would do playlists that went along with like my monthly column and Mm -hmm. I would, you know, try and find any way to insert music into whatever I was writing about. But it was never something that I was like, Oh, I, you know, I, I always just thought I love this. I don't want it to like be my job. I just love this. Um, and now I still feel that like, it's not really my job, but it is something that I get to make money doing, which is very cool. Um, and I feel very lucky, uh, to be able to say that. Um, but it, it was never like, oh, one day, you know, I'm going to be playing music for people or one day I'm going to be curating music for businesses or, you know, whatever. That was never really, there was never a concrete end goal with it. Interesting. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, this, I think that like, if you let sort of your passion or whatever it is that you're interested in, sort of drive what you're trying to do, then like, I you know, it's that, it, there's the cliche of the like, you know, do something you love and you, you never work again. It's like, but it, there is, there is, that is like a thing. Cause I don't really think about like, we, we, as much as like sometimes when you like you go out for dinner or something with people and then they're like, well, they want to talk about clothes and I'm like, oh Jesus, uh, like I feel like this is all I ever talk about. You know what I mean? but, yeah. but at the same time, like that's to be fair, like every single morning we start out and we're like what's coming in today, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. we like chop it up about clothes. And I mean, it's like, it, it just, we can't, 
it won't leave my body. And so it never feels yeah. like, it never feels like part of work. It's just like, that's the thing that's, it's almost, it's even then it's still sort of categorized different in my head, even though that's what we're selling and everything. It's still just this like thing. I could never stop being into it. Like it would, no matter how far away I tried to get with it, I'd still be interested. Even if I wasn't wearing, I don't need to even wear the clothes. I just, it's like a cultural thing I have to yeah, follow. It's yeah. the same thing yeah. as music. It's like, I just never want to get behind on it because I love totally. it so much. And, it, and I think it informs so many things culturally that you don't realize if you don't follow it. I mean, half the, like like music I find is a lot of times, sometimes still through fashion or the stuff that like the style that I like or whatever is often, I mean, pretty much always has been informed by the guys that played music that I liked. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. that that's where it began. And I always say that like, I have this one, stupid thing in my head, which is my, my barometer for my personal style. And it's always been like, if I couldn't wear it into like a general rock club and not get clowned on, then it's, then it was, then it, then it ain't on the barometer the right way. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I fucked up somewhere. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's gotta be inside that lane. Cause you can still play in that world, but there's, there's still some rules. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Totally. So, so that's totally. sort of my, let me ask you a question now though. Cause I just was thinking about it. So you've done a lot of DJing and I think you're doing, or do you feel like you're doing more than ever? I feel like, I feel like you're doing more than ever. Definitely, definitely more than ever. What is your favorite venue to, to DJ? And I ask this because I still feel like at the end of the day, my favorite type of party is still somebody like a sweaty ass house party. That's still the great, it's still the pinnacle to me because it's like intimate and it's rowdier because it's tighter and it yeah. feels like you shouldn't be doing what you're doing inside the space. Yes. Yeah. And there's yes. just something about all those things combining where it's still like the first guy to like, like smoke a, a cigarette inside. Or... You're like, is that okay? Did anyone who's yeah. even, who, and then half the time you're like, who lives here technically? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, there's and you're something like, and you, yeah. looking back. Yeah. Looking back on it. You're like, well, there was the time of the party before the guy smoked the book. Yep. And then there was the time of the party. Yeah, exactly. The guy smoked the yeah. yeah. Well, that, you're exactly right. There is a timeline. on uh-huh. Party when things get out of control, but before the, the cops are called, that is yes. a very exciting love time it, to it, be alive. It, it. And it's like, oh, and, it's and then like the, I, I still think a lot of close friends I have in Chicago. I don't know if you spend any time in Chicago, but all apartments there look identical. And they're all like shotgun style and there's a deck on the backside of it. And that's where people smoked. And at the time I smoked and I would be out there and I still have friends that I met at random house parties on the deck where you're pretty concerned about how many people should be on this deck that was built (laughs) just post Chicago fire. And like, and, and, but like those, those are friends I have for a lifetime now because we got, we were close. We were bonded together. So I still feel like that is my pinnacle to what a party can be. But I don't know if that's true or not. So I was wondering for you, especially as a, on the other side of things where you're sort of curating that party, what's the ideal venue in your mind? I mean, I think there's there's two answers because I I half of the stuff that I DJ, I'm DJing vinyl from my record yeah. collection. Oh, cool. And that that kind of stuff is not like when I play vinyl, it's stuff that I'm not necessarily like partying to, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um like I I want to play stuff that I would never play in a club or like in, you know, some kind of rowdy situation. Like I'm just playing like tracks from albums that I, you know, want to hear on a sound system, on a sound system that's better than what I have in my apartment. And I, if I'm DJing vinyl, the best venue is whatever venue has the best sound system. (laughs) Like I, I want to hear the most pristine, amazing sound that like, you know, you can just sit there and listen to a song and be like, fuck, this is a different song than I've ever heard yeah, before yeah. listening to this. Um, and that I will say, I 
DJed at the end of last year, I DJed um, a really, really great set of vinyl uh, at this spot up in Vermont called Bur- uh, sorry, it's in Burlington. It's called Paradiso. Mm. Um, and it's a restaurant slash cocktail bar that has just like a ridiculous, truly ridiculous record collection and mm-hmm. a truly ridiculous sound system. Um, like these beautiful, massive floor stander, um, like early sixties clip speakers that are, they're probably like each way, like 600 pounds. They're mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing vinyl in a place where you're like, someone who designed this place and built this place really cared about the sound system and what, you know, people can bring hear and listen to. Um, that's where I love to DJ vinyl. Um, when I'm DJing. So when I do, I also do a party series called love club and that's more, people have started calling it a disco party. I, we play disco, but like, I wouldn't necessarily call it a disco party. We play like, you know, disco or like seventies disco, early eighties funk into indie sleaze shit into like very classic rock stuff into like, you know, stuff that we just think is groovy and danceable. Um, but those parties are super, super high energy. And I do that with my buddy Dean, um, who is also a massive, massive music nerd. Um, and we just play shit that we think people should dance to and shit. That's like not being played right now to be danced to essentially. Um, but for that kind of thing, it's like we love a club, but not a massive club. We like a smaller, like maybe like 150 person room where you can see everybody who's dancing. If you're not dancing, you're kind of looking like the odd one out. Um, we want people to fucking dance to the music. So there's a spot that we play. Dean's from Richmond, Virginia, and we play in Richmond where I'm actually going down there on Saturday to play at this spot. Uh, it's called the Jungle Room. And again, unbelievable sound system everyone that goes there is there to fucking jump around and rage and dance so i think like the answer is like wherever people want to dance wherever people are are the least concerned about looking cool and looking around and seeing who's there and who they're going to be like oh yeah i saw so and so at wherever last night like that's not the vibe the vibe is like show up don't care who's there i'm here to dance wherever people are, are ready for that. That's where I want to play music. Yeah. I'm, I like, I do like a dance club where it's either, it's so dark, you cannot see anything and that's its own yeah. sensory deprivation thing that I like or, or red. I want to, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. You know the type of club oh, I'm talking yeah. about where it's just like, it's red and it looks like when you warm up a lizard, you know what I mean? Like that's sort of the vibe. <laughs> that's, that's like, I like, I like a club like that too. Yeah, give me the heat lamp. I yeah. think it's yeah, important though at a club like that, that that for some like some sense that you'd normally have is really off kilter. Like, and oh, like yeah. so sometimes you know, and they you know, when people are in there dancing, it gives a little nasty, it's a little fun, it's like a locker room. Yeah. And then the lights are red, and it's like, oh, this is a wild like you feel like you can act different in a space like that oh, because yeah. it's already weird. You know what I mean? Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 There's there's always a moment where when we walk into a venue, Dean like walks around and he's like, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the fog machine. Where's the fog machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There <laughs> I can't we go. Find the fog machine. <laughs> That's it's very because again, the fog machine just adds that little element. It's like when are you sitting in your living room and you're like, oh yeah, the fog machine. Let me turn it on. You know, the fog machine is giving you that like we're here to do something different than we we normally do. Yeah, like it. Like well, it's just another way to cause like 
a little bit of confusion uh-huh, that's sort uh-huh. of nice yeah. in a space like that. I don't want to yeah. know where I don't, I don't want to be able to go back the next day and know what it looked like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I'm not sure where I was. It was a while. Yeah. 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 The fog machine is kind of a party drug in that way. It yeah. kind of it gets oh, yeah. people like, Oh shit. All right. I'll be different. Today. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna be, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be different. <laughs> what? Okay. I got a question for you. This is, a, this I think is a common one of audio files. What's your, if you're you, so you get access to a, a just a nasty little system and you're going to try what, what's your song that you try out to figure out Ooh. you know what, you know what i'm talking about like when you get in there and you're like i'm going to put uh, on the one to test the you know i i'm going to tell you what i trade i i chased the dragon for a long time with audio stuff especially with like headphones yeah. and stuff because i'm like i'm gonna I'll, I'll i'm gonna pay the money and i paid yeah. i'm not it was it was irresponsible amount of money for like what i was told from an audiophile guy that these this these these headphones are going to change, look, blow your mind. Now, to be yeah. fair, I have walked this back at this point because I've realized I like distortion and stuff. I can't handle the all clarity thing. It just doesn't totally, bump totally. the same way. So I've, I've sort of stopped chasing the dragon at this point. But I have a song that I do, and I feel like you're going to have one too. What, what's the one that you turn on to go, I, I need to see if I can hear something new on it? Yeah. Um, it is... Uh, Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Shondells. Okay. I know that I know song, the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go like it's not it doesn't go crazy, but the layers of sound in that song are unreal and it's like one of those songs I think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever recorded and I'm I'm the type of person that like I would much rather listen to like if I'm on a on a super crazy sound system or setup, I would be the person to nine times out of 10 put on a really beautiful song not necessarily a really like let's fucking go song yeah um but that's just my preference i i like playing both on those systems obviously but um yeah that crimson clover is a song to me that's like i want to hear that in the most pristine possible way yeah i mean i think that the layers thing because m- mine is uh opening track off of loveless my bloody valentine only shallow sure, yeah, because yeah. it comes in so fucking hot and then it then it kind of cools off and it but yeah. but it's there's still and i know i've i've read everything i can about that album i know that there's like you know i don't know something like 86 guitar tracks on there and it's like i Damn. just know that if i keep listening i'm gonna hear something i didn't hear before and i've, and I've heard the i've heard that song and that record more probably my most listened to album of all time. Yeah. And I'm just convinced that there's stuff I'm not hearing, especially after what he, he did this stupid fender video where he, it's not stupid. It was, I've watched it a hundred times, but he, it's like, <laughs> he's, it's like he talked, he never gives interviews. He talks about how he was recording it. And I can see the, I see the desk, I see the, the, the screen in the background and I see how many tracks are on that thing. And I'm like, I knew it. I know there's stuff I'm not hearing <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way. And, and it just like, it's just in my, it's stuck in my head. And I know that like the drums were pulled out because they did so many, he was so crazy. They did so many takes yeah. that they ended up just like sampling the drums, but they don't sound sampled, but sometimes they do. And it's like, it's just this like track I've gotten so obsessed with over the years that like, I've, I've just, I know I'm going to find new things and, yeah, and I don't, yeah. but I, I'm just convinced I will. And it's like, like I said, it's like, it's a dragon you chase forever. I'm never going to, oh, I don't yeah. even know what I'm looking for at this point, but no. it's just something that I think is in there. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a really, I, I'm a massive soul fan and yeah. soul funk disco. Again, being from the Philadelphia area, like whether you choose to or not, you're exposed to that just 100%. geographically because that's such a huge part of the city's identity. Um, but I'm obsessed with like, I think some of the most flawless production ever done period was like late sixties, 
Motown studio, like the Supremes, the production on the Supremes records are just unbelievable. And those are records that I will listen to constantly when I'm on a good sound system. Like I'll show up an hour before a set and just be like, Hey, can I just uh, fuck around a bit? And I'll just throw on a record that I really want to listen to (laughs) and pretend like I'm doing something. Um, But those records are, are always, always uh, ones that I put on too. And when you learn like that, like it's really more with those records, I, I, you know, I lived in Chicago for a really long time and obviously the soul has a huge place there. Um, And I got to be friendly ish with the guys from numero group and stuff. So they put me onto a ton of stuff. And like when you start to realize that like there was no affecting anything, it was all about musicianship. These were one, one take tracks and stuff often live to live, live to track. It makes it a whole different world because it's listening. It's listening to well-produced live music basically. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you don't really realize that until you start to piece together that like, well, they didn't really have any other way to record it. That's how they did it. Like sometimes they would dub something, but like, it's pretty rare. I mean, those are basically like four track recordings. And like, even if you're into, you know, like we, we grew up with more like punk and indie music and stuff like that. And you, and you get, you get these guys doing like four track recordings and stuff like that. And some of my favorite records are still that way. And I realized that same, it's the same, you're pulling out the same stuff in soul music as you are from that kind of stuff. There's an earnestness and a weirdness and there's stuff in the room that's happening that you just can't, no matter how many times you try. And I'm really into like producing music and stuff you can't duplicate that. There's no way there's no, it's the same thing when people say there's that genesis qual with, with records and the vinyl and stuff. It's that that's like another level to it. But on those, those early recordings, man, there's just nothing between it feels very vulnerable, especially like somebody put me onto a couple like Bill Evans is a jazz musician. I just really fell in love with and it was because I heard it on a big system. And when you start, he's like well, the guy that was, I was listening to it was like, you hear that? It's like a floorboard you can hear. Cause he did this in a place in France and you're blah, blah, blah. And you're, oh, like, yeah, yeah. you're like, shit, Damn. man. Like you're just like, you're not realizing all the stuff you're digesting uh-huh. and still people, until people start pointing it out. So to be able to yeah. like, especially with that type of music, the more you get into it, it's, there's something happening there that like connects with people that's completely, that's completely different. I mean, it's, yeah. it's why I still like have this like playlist of like YouTube live recordings, uh, like live recordings oh, or like live bands that I obsess over because of weird little things that happen during or it. Or maybe they'll like, change a lyric or something too. And there's just, yeah, there's Absolutely. just something that happens yeah. that's like a little bit more like vulnerable and interesting with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And especially like that music just like it all has it because it, uh-huh. it's like all live recordings. So it's like, it has that weird stuff you pick out otherwise. Timothy, you and Absolutely. I, you and I, connected on the microphones the glow part two yeah. specifically the song uh i felt your shape mm-hmm. and that that record in particular all, he left all the knocks in yep. when he would go to press the button to record and he'd walk back in the room and pick up his guitar and maybe it made a sound or you heard the door close or whatever and when i found that out just speaking to the story of it, it that's why it's my all-time favorite record at, the, at this it's moment so in cool. time it's like he had the keys and he was working and his payment, I believe, was to have the keys after hours yeah. to fuck around and do whatever he wanted. And that's the record that came of it. And when you find out that all those knocks and shit weren't added, it's just like him walking into the room or dropping something on accident. Alex, do you have a record? Because so Chase and I really like, I'd say that this, that, that glow part two is his, like, that's, that's like my Bible. record he's yeah. super obsessed with. When I was a kid, I'd accidentally basically, because the Barnes and Nobles was clothing and closing and I had a $20 bill that I'd earned and I was like, I just need to buy something. So I bought something from the indie section that I liked the cover. And it was Elliot Smith's figure eight. And I got uh, just so yeah. obsessed with that record, especially yeah. learning more and more about it. Cause so many people obsess, I think about the wrong, not the wrong, cause there's no wrong, but like th- they pick out specific records of his that and it's, it's so rarely that one for some reason, but that one has yeah. 
And I think it's because it's like the highest production version of thing. But when you realized he had all the master tapes, he took them all home every single night because he didn't want people messing with them. He recorded almost every single instrument. I'm like, this was, he had, this was like, in my mind, this was the pinnacle of what he was going to make. Mm-hmm. And he was, because he didn't leave flaws in on purpose. Like this was a weird thing that he did. So I got so obsessed with that record. Do you have a record that that's like that for you that like, no matter what I can say, I'm on this right now, or I really love this, but like that one, just like there's, there's a record that just like, that's got yeah. a special place. That one is the one. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's Curtis by Curtis Mayfield. Oh yeah. Um, that's a great record. And I, I think that's just like one, it's one of my sonically, one of my favorite records ever made, but I love, it's not necessarily about the production of the record, although the production on that record is unbelievably good. Um, it's more so about like what that record was to him, like leaving the impressions where he's singing, you know, like more classic doo-wop stuff. That's like very much for a non-politically conscious, you know, pop audience. Um, and then putting out this record that's like one, unbelievably unfiltered two, like very politically charged. And three, it was like the first time that he was like, Hey, by the way, I'm not just this guy that does harmony shit. Like I'm going to give you like a very real album that is super fucking groovy and at times goes really, really hard and also says a lot of shit for the first time in my career. Um, and I like that. I like when an artist moves to a different, you know, part of the career, maybe it's sonically, maybe it's not, but like in this case, it's the message of the music. Um, so I, when it's like an album that I just listened to and I'm just like, fuck, like this is, this is the one it means a lot to not just me, but like to other people. Um, I, I always think of Curtis. Yeah. I really love that too, because I I really feel like a lot of the stuff I get drawn to is like, I love when an artist does something, even if it doesn't go over well, I love when they try something new. I want it to be different every single time. Cause it feels like, you know, as someone who makes music, it's really hard to go, I made this band and I'm never going to change. And it's like, shit, man, you're just going to kind of make the same record over Mm -hmm, and over mm -hmm. and over again. And I guess that maybe works for some people, but I just find it like really boring when there's not this like arc to their life. You can see their taste changing and like what they're doing. I mean, Bob Dylan is like one of the better examples of that ever happening, but he's such an interesting artist to, to listen to and follow because it like it changed so dramatically over time, even if it's subtle because of like the time period. But like, yeah, you you can really see he made choices that were not easy to make, and he was like gonna stick to them no matter what. And it's like it just feels really like I don't know. It feels more urgent and important when stuff like that happens. And I think that record you're talking, Curtis. I I think it. I think it's kind of that kind of thing. I mean, it's like it's you know maybe not as like easy to define as like. Dylan going in electric, but there was, there, there was a noticeable shift. You know what I mean? And I, totally. I love that totally. stuff because that's, that's, that's an artist trying. I mean, if you come to art for the right reasons, because you want it, you want to be pushing something. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not supposed to be safe. And like that, that kind of stuff really like leaves a lasting impression. I think when you do it that way. Absolutely. Man, let, so let me, let's, let's, let's shift for a minute. Let's go to, a, cause we, you, so we've done some music questions. Let us allow us, cause it's still a part of what you do. We don't often yeah. get to talk about food and stuff, but we talk, and, and, and I'm going to preface this. We did this with a couple guests so far that were in the food space. We just like it. We are not sophisticated. Yeah. We just are, we just, <laughs> we just sort of like following it uh-huh. and Hell like yeah. talking about it, but we're not you know, it's it, we, we, we're. I'm letting you know ahead of time. We need a safe space because we're dumb when it comes to this yeah, stuff. But we yeah. like to follow it. Gotcha. Um, let's. Add, I'm going to ask a little, a couple like fun food questions. Yep. So, and I think that you're obviously the right person for this one. But like, I feel like 
there's been so many little like trends, in, especially in the summer for like drinks and yep, stuff. Yep. There's always like some little thing going right. You know, like there was yeah. Yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. the seltzer and the, the fucking, the, what is the, the, the or, you know, what um, I think of the organic wine, not <laughs> so, organic yeah, wine. Yeah, natural natural wine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, like these, the, the, these little things, yeah. what, what's, what do you, do you think that there's one coming up that people aren't on just yet? Um, man for i mean that's the thing it's like it's it's always the thing of like if everyone just left it alone there wouldn't be a summer drink trend yeah, but yeah, yeah, some, yeah. you know yes. but someone there's always a media outlet that like feels the need to be like all right this is here's the, drink the thing the yeah let's, let's put let's push the agenda we're gonna push the um, aperol spritz look yeah, and it's like i hate it but i also i like i do like yeah. i do like when it's like <laughs> oh, oh yeah. there's something to try yeah yeah, yeah. i i am this is a this is selfish, but I I am obsessed with daiquiris. I'm absolutely fucking oh, obsessed. Okay, with this them. is fun. Yeah. Wait, can you um, real fast, Alex? Before you can can before you continue, can you please tell me what a daiquiri is? <laughs> I know what it looks like, and I, yes. I know what it tastes like. But if I'm being honest with you, I'm not a thousand know, percent sure what's in it. I know how so, a strawberry daiquiri jelly belly tastes, and that's about as far as <laughs> there you go. So so I feel like the, the daiquiri has become bastardized in a way that like when people think of a daiquiri, they think of like, you know, a strawberry daiquiri that's like sure. served in a, in a big tulip glass with like a bunch of shit on top of it and like a little straw and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, a daiquiri is like in the most simple of descriptions, a daiquiri is a margarita that's made with rum instead of tequila. Huh. That's, that's a daiquiri. So it's, it's, um, Rum, unaged rum, um, simple syrup, and lime juice. That's it. Beautiful. Um, yeah, and it's essentially like I love a margarita. Don't get me wrong, but I will take a daiquiri over a margarita any day. Um, Is it because of the alcohol I, change? It's the rum. You? It's that, the rum. Yeah. To yeah. me, to me, the rum just does a totally different thing. And I think, especially in America, people are just like not. You know, rum hasn't hit yeah. nationwide in a way that you know, everything else has at this point. And I think it's just like, it's the next thing that's up. Okay. And I don't like to say it's the next thing that's up. Cause it's always been up. It's always been great. This is like, not about anything changing for rum. It's about marketing and, yeah, you know, yeah. people, people changing. Um, but I selfishly hope that a daiquiri is, uh, is is the drink of the summer this year because it's so simple it's so fucking good yeah i get them i get them at most cocktail bars i go to and i think people would like them if they uh if they just gave them a shot all right well i will next time i have a cocktail i absolutely will have one um i've had rum maybe twice in my entire life i didn't drink until i was like 22 i was staunchly straight edge but but uh i've only had rum a a handful of times but i'm I'm super down to try it for some reason i thought daiquiris had like milk or something in it dude no 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 no. okay okay cool well maybe well i'm sure there's i'm sure there's someone out there being like yo milk daiquiri let's let's go drink 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 of the summer 2023 but imagine a milk daiquiri (laughs) in a 90 degree weather just Mm. sweating it out you know i i had a friend from the virgin islands who really like put me on to like good rum because you'd always be talking about rum and i'm like i just dude i know like rum chata bro like yeah, where i'm yeah, from yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. give me something different and, and he and he brought me some like proper stuff when he when he went home and came back and it was like oh this is a whole different this is a really yeah, different yeah. thing kind of like you're saying like oh, i just yeah. don't think that that like the the nuance has come because he brought me like a few different options and we tasted them and i'm like this is there's really like for me, actually, as as a layman, to also to be honest, when he gave me a few different uh, like versions of rum, I'm like, these are noticeably different. It's not like when you go like 
you know, everyone whiskey, like tequila whiskey. to mezcal. I know they're different, yeah. but it's like sometimes yeah. when you're just taking a sh- when you're shooting that shit, it's like it's kind of all burning the same way. The, <laughs> rum really like for had a like a a taste to it that I really noticed when we moved around in the different styles. So yeah. I think there's a lot of subtlety that people are not yeah, like you're saying, like not real quite quite put on to just yet. Totally, totally. Yeah. What, do you have like a desert island like liquor though? Like if there was just one that like that's the one if I just uh, that's the only one I can have. And it, I guess it doesn't have to be liquor, but any sort of alcoholic, but like just at its purest yeah, what, form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? Um, I mean, I would say overall, I'm probably if we're talking about liquor, probably a uh, gin guy. Same. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's just like there's it there's so much variety in gin there's so much flavor to unpack in essentially any gin um i i just i think it's magical stuff um but overall i would say if i could only have like one thing for the rest of my life like it's it's just packed in like i would just go back to my first love and it would be beer i'm a i'm a beer guy let's talk beer bro Let's talk beer. Let's talk beer. What what is what is the specific beer? Like you know, it's one you, oh. you have an endless palate delivery oh. coming, but it's the one. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I my favorite beer of all time is Guinness, hands down. Period. Nice. But that I think is a tough pick for year round. Well, you need a tap too, bro. We're not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It needs to. It needs to be proper. It needs to be a proper pint. Sure. Um. So it, I I don't think I would choose Guinness, but. I would probably go for, oh man. Um, I would probably go for, if we're low browing it, I would probably just go for Miller High Life. Just the, the cold. There we go, baby. That's, I was what, say, that's what Timothy will say too. I, if I would have <laughs> a desert Island drink, it's just give me, give me a Miller and a, and a fucking well shot of whiskey. That's where, that's, that, that's where yeah, I was yeah. born right on. Home. And that, that, that I feel right at home with that. It doesn't need, to, it anymore. doesn't need to be good because the point is that it like burns up your sinuses on the first yeah. thing. And then it makes the Miller taste way better. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, yep. it's not, there is something also to the fact that like, I think there's for me, there's something kind of like, I don't know how to put it, but like kind of naughty about alcohol that I don't like when it gets too nerdy because it's like, oh man, like the oh, whole yeah. reason we got here was because it was us being like being, I, bad. being bad in a garage. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and now, and now for some reason, now I've got to like watch a guy make a thing for two hours and you're like, oh man, like this yeah. is cool. I get it. But it's like, you're taking away the like dirt bag part that I kind of, I want infused in it a little yeah, bit yeah. still. Absolutely. And it's also that, you know, it's like, I, I always think about like, are you, ta- are you putting me further away? away from like for me the the point of it is like enjoying it yeah and if i uh-huh. you know if i have to be like oh well actually no i need to consider the right temperature and am i aerating this enough and am i doing it's just yeah, like the right cut of ice yeah exactly it's almost like wait i just want to enjoy a beverage like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. i'm here for yeah. Well, this is kind of a common thing that Chase and I argue about because I, a <laughs> long time ago, I, I spent another thing I got into was coffee at one point and, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even the coffee. I hadn't even gotten there. What I was doing was spending all my money on equipment to like build yep. this perfect coffee yep. setup. Yeah. And to, and I, and I really hit a point, same thing with the headphones where it was like, I'm done because all of it tastes like <laughs> shit compared to just, just going go to, a, to a good coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and it's, I think it's the same stuff we're talking about with like, with like soul music 
music and how they recorded it is it's because I went to a place intentionally. So I looked forward to it. There's a bunch of good looking people working at these places with tattoos and they got cool clothes and you see all that stuff and then yeah. they make it for you. And I don't think about anything. My hands aren't dirty. The house doesn't smell like coffee. There's no weird yeah. oils on underneath my fingernails for three days. Cause yeah. I messed around too much. And then it's just like, it's, and then I leave, I have it. I, and I walk out the door and I forget about it. And yeah. it's like, yeah. that was a perfect little experience that I did not need to try to replicate at home. Yeah. And absolutely. It's, this is the same stuff. It, it is. It, it's the same thing where it's like, once we fuss with it too much, I'm falling off the wagon somewhere where it's like, oh, you man, I just go need back to, to the, the normal shit. Cafe Francais, Maxwell House, instant <laughs> coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We Chock full of nuts. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, like, is, is coffee still a huge thing for you? Yeah. Coffee is still a huge thing for me, but I mean, it's a huge thing for me because I, because <laughs> I drink it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of like expensive coffee shit or whatever, like I don't really go down that route. I, I'm the type of person. I'll also say I'm spoiled living in New York City because sure. there's yeah. so many good cafes. Like I, I just moved apartments. I, I I moved to a neighborhood which I'm very familiar with and I've hung out within a lot. Um, uh, and and know all my spots here. But I, I'm now like within a five block radius. I think there are five cafes that are like top top tier cafes yeah yeah um so i when i'm at home and i make coffee at home it's like i just have a little v60 pour over setup like i'm not you know i'm just making a pour over and it's a nice little routine in the first five minutes of my morning and i have my own mug of coffee and that's all i'm really thinking about i'm not really thinking about much when i do that you're not performing a seance every morning um, no 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 there's no blood sacrifice nothing um if I'm going to go like get espresso or whatever, like I'm just going to walk to a coffee shop. I'm not going to like, yeah. you know, if, if anyone's ever like, Oh, what's the best espresso machine to, to get at home? I'm kind of like, don't get one. Like it's, you know, it's not, if you want to get one, just like get the little thing that goes on your, on your stovetop and it's not real espresso and just be happy with that. Well, um, and I think it like, listen, I am fully aware that like what we're talking about is like coming from a point of, of privilege being any sort of city where you have like good yeah, access yeah, to that. Yeah. Cause obviously yes. there's cities where it's like, yeah, your best, your best version of this is not going to be very good. So maybe you got to spring for something at home, I suppose. Totally. But at the, but at the same time, like, if you anymore, if you go to there, there's at least one spot in any given in most cities, no matter how small where you're going to, there's like one person doing it. And it's like, Oh yeah. Again, it's for me, it's like, it's the whole thing. There's no drive ups. You know, you really got to go, you got to like, you got to, it's got to be a little like ritual. And I think that's all people want when it comes to like making it at home is you want this little like ritual that happens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's like, it can also just be like going and doing the thing and getting out there. Plus it probably wakes you up just as much to go do that as it would just have the coffee. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. What about what about food? I, and this is a question I have because we we just took Chase. It, I, you'd kind of been to New York before. I had he been just to went New York for like a couple hours. Well, yeah. and I and I actually hadn't been in a while because with COVID and everything, we just stopped traveling for fashion sh- shows and stuff as much. So we yes. just we just weren't going. So it had been a long time. But I, traditionally, I would have been at least been there. I don't know five, six, seven yeah. times a year at least. And. And I guess I just used to be a little bit more tapped in, but it moves so quick anymore that like, I know the classics, but I'm, you know, you fall off a little bit and I I got a question for you. So like everyone knows like stuff like chopped cheese or fucking like New York bagels or like whatever it is, like bodega kind of stuff. Is there any other like kind of hidden mainstays in New York that aren't those like bodega classics? You know what I'm talking? Does that make sense? Like that are like, you feel specifically New York, but aren't the ones that everybody knows. I mean, 
that's that's the thing that I think you're sacrificing by going to New York when when someone's like, oh, dude, I have this hidden spot that you, and yeah. you're like, dude, stop bullshitting me. It's not hidden. It's in New York City. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there are 80 other people having the same exact conversation that we're having right now about the spot. Um, so in terms of like regional New York stuff that I think like remains quiet, I don't like nothing immediately comes to mind. Um, you know, there's like New York stuff that's like, you know, a nutcracker when you're at the Rockaways and there's a guy walking around with a cooler with like pre-mixed vodka cocktails that are called nutcrackers that are just absolutely there to get you fucked up. Yeah. Um, there's like cool. stuff like that, which I think is like definitely maybe it lays a little lower in terms of like public knowledge. But um, I think most New York stuff is pretty, you know, it's not it's not trying to remain hidden. Yeah. Like, I guess what I'm looking for sometimes is like, not only just what is best, but like what's been there for a long time that feels like in, it feels, it feels so New York by just having like existed there for a long period of time. Cause I guess that's kind of what I'm saying too, is like, I hadn't been there in a few years just cause we weren't traveling. And then when I went back, I'm like, Oh, what's, what's the best now? I'm like, I don't know. That tends to be a little bit of a moving target. Whereas yes, like, I guess what I was looking for is more like, What's what are some of those things that have just been there for a long time that if if you if you travel enough like it's not just like hitting the very best of what's going on there today but like what's going to be there even after that place is gone you know what I mean I guess that's what I was for sure more looking I mean for. I I I ate lunch at one of these spots that is just yesterday I I was like walking home from a meeting on the Lower East Side and I was walking back up into into Alphabet City and. I, uh, I was like, damn, I'm really, it was like two o'clock. I hadn't eaten, I hadn't really eaten yet. And I was like, damn, I'm so hungry. What am I going to get for lunch? And I was like, oh, Casa Adela is on my way. And I was like, there's no other choice. I'm going to Casa Adela. I need to, that's my only option. I refuse to eat anything else. And Casa Adela is like one of those spots that's been around forever. It's not getting a ton of press. It's not like in the, in the zeitgeist right now. Um, but it's this unbelievable Puerto Rican rotisserie chicken spot Ooh. that's been on Damn. Avenue C for like, I want to say since the early seventies. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, it's just like one of the spots. It's like, I go, I get my half chicken, I get, uh, you know, yellow rice, red beans, and I get a salad that's, you know, more avocado than it is lettuce. Mm -hmm. that and sounds great. it's absolute heat. Yeah. Um, and that's so like that's the first thing that came to mind just because I literally ate there yesterday. But Casa Adela, absolutely one of those spots. Love that. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I really just want sometimes it's like the New York has everything. You know what I mean? Like as far as like what's gonna oh, be yeah. the best. But it's more like to me, it's like how long of it has it was like what wh how how much New York has it sort of brought into itself? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That that that's really yes. like the places I want to go to when I'm there because it like it just makes you feel more connected to something bigger rather than just going to hit like what's trendiest, yeah, which is also fun. It's just like, it's sort of a different experience, especially when you're not there all the time. You know what I mean? So that's, that's why I was looking absolutely. for that kind of stuff, but that is absolutely a place I'm going to check out. That sounds right up my fucking alley. Super, super good. I mean, we went to the spot called Felix in Manhattan, <laughs> which we did other like internet type shit. We went to bars at round list, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe Felix is big and maybe I just don't know, but it was like the, it felt like the most romanticized version of New York city as a person who had never been to New York city. And it was just like, 
perfect. I, I, it, you could have told me it was never been. It had never. Well, been we got we caught it. We, we caught it on a night when it was literally next door to the hotel and it was raining, so raining we really didn't hard. have any options. And then, yeah. and then the other part was there was fucking nobody in it, so you yeah. got full attention. We talked to the guy who like, worked yeah. at all these different places and he was telling us those kind of stories. And it gets like it gets kind of romantic in that way. Yeah. That place can also be a, a human nightmare if you go there at the at the, at the <laughs> during yeah. soccer or whatever. <laughs> so it's like it can that can go both ways. But I mean, that is a place that's been there a long ass time, so it feels yeah. you know it does feel it does have oh, yeah. that like that kind of ingrained in the city feeling totally and I, and it's funny that you bring that up too that like i, I think a, a huge part of like uh new york city dining is i mean it's unbelievably situational in terms of like is it raining out yeah is it a monday night yeah. is it a saturday night is it are you eating at a place for lunch that's a dinner spot are you eating dinner at a place that like doesn't really get hopping until 1 a.m for drinks you know mm-hmm. like it, there's always this thing, and it's always funny talking to people in New York when you're like, oh, I ate at this place, and like it was pretty good, but like this is what I thought was like could be better, whatever. And then you talk to someone else, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, like, dude? Like, I was there last night, and it was exactly like I wanted it to be. So I think there's always this thing of like, a place in New York can be so different from night to night, or even from like hour to hour. Um, like what you were saying about Felix, raining empty restaurant you got all the attention like mm-hmm. that sounds perfect yeah and they, they they gave us a great wine pairing like the guy yeah. the guy and it was literally only like one there's maybe there was one other couple in there and it was like you know and it was very romantic and cool but i i've i remember back when they didn't have a the fucking atm machine never worked and you'd go there and there was so many goddamn <laughs> people there in the summer and it's just miserable and it's like so i feel like i've had and you're you're absolutely it's so subjective in new york because i it's same thing with like coffee I've, I've had like i went to a place one time and i was like oh we gotta go it's across town but we gotta go the place it was so good and i went there and i was like i don't know maybe they changed something but like Everything was just, it was just such a, it was just so mid. And I was like, damn it, dude, I would not have dragged people across town to get this if it was not going to be the same. But I'm like, I probably also, it was probably okay when I went. And now it just, it's been long enough that I built it up in my head. So, yeah. no, it's, it's like dining out in every regard to me is so goddamn subjective. I'd said, I've had some of the most fun I've ever had dining out at a goddamn Applebee's in Indiana. As I, you know yeah. what I mean? With just like the right company and fucking around, and like in the right attitude, as, as I have, like you go into some crazy crazy fine dining situation and then you know feel stuffy and uncomfortable the whole time and the food's good but you're kind of miserable the whole time vibe wise and it's just like absolutely it's 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 extremely subjective that's a hard it's a hard thing yeah. to talk about there's just things that i like and it's more like this is why I, I mean i'm sure you feel this all the way all the time when you make suggestions like this is just how i feel when i'm there but i'm not sure what your yeah. whole thing is yeah totally Okay, let's. Totally. We're gonna move into the last part of the podcast. We always do that, which is just we we do this thing where we just do hot takes. So we just like kind of talk about stuff where it's like we're gonna do like you know I don't know what they are at this point. We just ask questions that, yeah. so it can be so we can ask whatever we want at, the, at a certain point. All um, right. Let, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. We didn't like. We had a couple ideas and then we didn't like land on anything before we started. I figured I'd find it away on the way. So I do have one that we 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 were talking about the other day. <laughs> do you have any songs that like? are like throw a chair through the window songs for you. And I, and I also mean this that like I one time watched a guy do karaoke to a matchbox 20 song. And like the way he had the room <laughs> tooled up to the stupid song was like, now when I hear it, cause I get that feeling of like, man, he, I don't know why he had people tooled up to that song, but people were coming like they were going to, blow the roof off the place and it's like now when i hear it i sort of get that feeling so it doesn't need to make sense it just for you personally a song that like makes you just like really want to you know punch a hole in the sky um because it's either so yes. good or it's so amped whatever it is yes 
Um, I, this is a totally random song. I don't. This is what I'm it looking for. Like, it's totally random. Um, but there's a track called "Bad Feeling" by a, a band called Cobra Man. Oh, I know, I know the, I know Cobra Man. Yeah, cool. Anyway, that song gets me going. Like yeah. nothing. What do you? Can you isolate what it is that's doing it for you? There's just this insane intro. I mean, it's like, it's like essentially like power disco. Like yeah. it bridges the gap between like glam rock, disco, slight metal elements. Like, it, but there's just this intro to it, and the minute I hear the intro, I'm just like. Let's fucking go. Yeah. No, I mean, I, what I like about the, these types of songs where it's like, I can, I feel this way. I can feel this way to an integrity song as quickly as I can to like never going back by Fleetwood Mac, where it's just a guy <laughs> yeah. named a guitar. But I'm like the way the tempo is. And I know how like, and he's like, he's singing. So he's singing like hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, it just really like makes me want to fucking punch a window. In. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Chase, do you have one? Um, I feel like you're going to have a weird one. Um, I mean, I, I was just trying to think nothing like comes to me viscerally lately though i've been back on that first narrowhead ep the tune far removed because it oh, has yeah. that off timing part and that that like that yeah i'll flip a car on my bare hands yeah yeah oh actually wait another one just popped in my head and this is like it's like a depressing ass song and it's like not necessarily it doesn't like go hard or anything but farewell transmission by songs ohio Oh yeah. Well now you're that back track, in the chase lane. Yeah, too, that, song realm, yeah. Yeah. that track gets me. Yeah. There's just, it doesn't, what I like is when it doesn't really make sense. Like uh-huh. there's like a yes. certain part in like criminal by Fiona Apple that like really just like it's like, Oh God, she's just really, you know, lighting things on fire with, you know, yeah, and it just really yeah. gets me oh, going. Yeah. And it's that kind of stuff. I love that type yeah. of that music where I'm like, this shouldn't get me revved up. Okay. But I am, freaking out do you know i talked about it on one of the episodes not long ago uh sun kill moon mark koslick he did that full record where it's a cover of modest mouse and he plays the tune four-fingered fisherman and like there's a way that he harmonizes his voice and the guitar and yeah and like in terms of it being a not a rager of a tune by any means gets me going and i could definitely slam a head through a wall yeah Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love uh, th- that's the thing that music can do for me that that really is like you, nothing. I don't get the same out of that from fashion or any art or anything. Nothing. I, I want I want I want a visceral feeling yeah. of wanting to break something because I'm yes. hyped about it. And that only <laughs> happens in music. Yeah. All right, man, Alex. It's been a real pleasure, and it's it's we say this a bunch, but it's it's been nice having a long conversation with you. That's not messaging on Instagram. So. Yeah, yeah. Ask, <laughs> asking for your address or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is sick, man. It was a real it was a real pleasure to get to know you. I'm super super stoked that uh, that you guys asked me to do this awesome. big time. Okay, Alex, you got any plans coming through uh, Denver Boulder this year? Um, we, so Dean and I actually were talking about maybe doing some, some love club action in, in the Denver area. Um, so we might be, we might be throwing a party out in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Or let's, or let's link up and do something, man. I think that if something doesn't, if doesn't, something doesn't pan out with what you need, we got a pretty bumping system in our, uh, in the, in the shop. Hell maybe we just do yes. it in the shop. Yeah. We, we could definitely fuck out. around. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% down for that. All right, well, let's, let's stay in touch on that. Alex, where, where can people find you, bud? Where, 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 where should they, where should they check you out at these days? Um, people can find 
find me on Instagram uh, at Alex underscore Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-Y. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, my music podcast, um, Sound Radio. That's on Spotify. And you can listen to it on other platforms. But if you want to listen to the music that goes along with it, listen to it on Spotify. Okay. Um, I have neighborhood guides to New York City restaurants, too, that are called Everything Good. Uh, it's New York City restaurants, bars, coffee shops, clothing stores, art galleries, everything in free Google Docs that you can use. There's a little highlight on my Instagram page. You can get those there. Um, and then you can probably just find me walking around downtown Manhattan if you're out and about. I was going to say, you're a findable guy. You're out there. You're cooking. I'm, I'm you're around. Cooking. I'm around. <laughs> All right, bro. I appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. I'm sure we're always in touch. So we'll, we'll stay. Hell yes. yeah. Yeah. I'll All be right, talking man. to you guys. Cool, yeah. All right. Thank you. Have a good day.